This is episode number 39 of The Homeowner Show. Whether you're DIY or looking to hire, we're here to help you find the best information and options for you and your home. My name is Kevin Hackett, and here with me is Craig Williams. Hello, 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 and welcome to The Homeowner Show. We are so glad that you guys could join us today. Uh, wait, what are you looking at? I heard a ding. You heard a ding? I definitely heard a ding. There was, there was some dingage going on there? His computer yeah. was on. <laughs> Something is dinging. In, in, in all honesty, my, my mother-in-law was texting me on the computer. Uh, so even, even here on the homeowner show, we are, we are not unreachable by in-laws. <laughs> At all the times we don't want to be. <laughs> Thank you, technology. <laughs> we, we actually stopped recording earlier to turn airplane mode on on our phone. Yep. And... The computer got us. And just so everyone knows, she's okay. She's okay. <laughs> well, okay. Okay. The ding was worth it. <laughs> that's that's good stuff. How you doing, man? I am doing wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Good. Just having a crazy busy week. This was last week of school for just about everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, all the teachers I saw looked tired. Oh man, they've been ready since like March <laughs> to be done. <laughs> So yeah, they're good. I was I was done last year. Yeah, and and on on top of that, I mean, it's you know we we just came back from Memorial Day weekend, so it's a short week. That's like a dumb time to like end school. Yeah, like a little a little teaser right before summer break. Oh yeah, by the way, don't come to school one day, but then two days later you're done. So I'll just full confession. We we just took that Friday off anyway. Oh, so. Full conf- that it's good to confess every once in a while. What are they going to do? Put me in kindergarten jail? I, I mean, I don't know. I, Is that a thing? No. Oh, okay. Well, then no. <laughs> they won't do that to you. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, so... Uh, you yes. a little side-eye, though. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more side-eye than you think. They don't know that I don't feel shame about such things. <laughs> <laughs> you don't care. That's right. <laughs> How are you? And I'm, I'm doing pretty good. We, uh, we had a, a good weekend... We went down to uh, the coast, which is not the most beautiful beach in the world down mm. there, uh, but it's a beach, and we had a lot of fun. We, we took our kids down, and uh, we, we've got a camper, and so we stayed real close to the beach, and uh, we're able to do that. Uh, we, we did have one issue, though, mm. while we were there. Uh, our, our camper isn't the newest. In fact, I, I told my wife uh, one day, I was like, have you looked around at the other campers here at the mm-hmm. RV resort. She was like, yeah, there's a lot of big ones. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure ours is the oldest and ugliest. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, I think so. I said, but ours is paid off. That's right. So <laughs> that's really all that matters. But we did, we had an issue last year. We'd gone down there and our air conditioner just couldn't keep up. Yeah. It was miserable. And so, um, is she Okay. Yeah, I don't think anyone else can hear the ding. Oh, <laughs> no one else can hear the ding. Well, I mean, the, oh, the, the oh, people hear it. The people on the show can hear the ding. I don't think anyone else, like out in podcast in, land, hears the ding. I don't think so. Okay, well, there was a ding again. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, she's still fine. She's still <laughs> good. I'm so happy. Um, yeah. So so we we got a new air conditioner installed, but our, our RV is so old that like apparently. Um, some of the insides of this air conditioner, there, there, there's like a, a piece that goes on top, which is the air conditioner itself. And then there's kind of like the brains of the air conditioner Yeah, that are, that's in the ceiling. It's a very technical description you're giving us there. Brains. Yeah. Well, that's an important word. <laughs> um, so the, the brains and, and apparently it's so old that both needed to be replaced, not just one of them. And so we're, we're, we woke up one morning there's like a puddle. Uh-huh. on the floor because this thing had been condensating on the inside of our RV. So we had to live the entire weekend with a bucket, a bucket, a bucket in the middle of the, of the floor so that we didn't have, you know, this massive puddle. Um, I, don't, I don't know that I would think to bring a bucket in the camper. 
Yeah, you you, you kind of figure out what you need. You start <laughs> you start bringing stuff that you even don't need, and then I mean, you I'm, find out you're really glad you brought it. I mean, I'm not going through my head of all the uses of a bucket. I mean, don't get me wrong. I can I can use a bucket. Yeah, I think of lots of uses for a bucket, but I just don't know. In like in the packing process, I would be like, you know what, that bucket needs to yeah, come so, with me. So I actually had a real legitimate reason to bring it. Uh-huh. So um, I don't know if you've seen it, but I've got this thing. It's a the the brand is Arctic Cool. Uh-huh. And it's a um, it's a fan that sits on top of a five gallon bucket and it's got a little, um, a tube that, that kind of goes down to the bucket. You fill it with water uh-huh. and it's got a mister oh. on it. And so, you know, if it's hot outside, you've got your own little portable mister, um, rig. Nice. So that's, that's actually why I had the bucket. Um, I didn't never use it. Uh, it was actually really nice down there, so I didn't really need it, but, um, I was really glad I had the bucket. <laughs> um, and at one time we had like more than one leak, and just just because of the uh, the air conditioning unit was bigger than the bucket, so we had a bucket and a pot, <laughs> like, a, like a cooking pot. And that one that one was significantly more annoying because it was like ting, <laughs> ting. I kind of like that ting. sound. It's a little, yeah. a little soothing. Yeah. So, well, fu- funny you should mention campers and, and yeah. RVs and all because we have a, a really cool episode today yeah. about living the RV life. Man, I, I'll tell you, we, we have really, really enjoyed having our camper. And uh, you know, there, there have been moments whenever we've thought, you know, what would it be like if like we lived in our camper? And we yeah. know that there are people out there that do that. And it just so happens that we've got someone in the studio who is living that life. Yeah. So, but before we introduce him, okay. I think we need to introduce somebody else. Okay. Because we that? have a special guest co-host. Yeah. In the studio tonight, Jared Williams over here. Um, we've we've talked about Jared many times on the show before. We have. Yeah. Should I be concerned about that? Absolutely. Because <laughs> uh, it's, it's all the truth. Yes, <laughs> it is. So, but Jared's sitting in on the show, so we're gonna have a fun fun conversation with uh, with him with our special guest. Andrew Brockenbush over here yeah, from uh, Beefy Marketing and who has recently made the switch. Now, how, how recently have we, have we made the switch? Uh, December one okay. was when we started. So we're brand, brand new. Uh, six months. Is it that? Well, yeah, it feels, six. feels quicker than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so much fun. It's been so much fun. <laughs> so it was good and bad. Yeah. So, and, and part of the reason we wanted to have you on is, is cause, I mean, I, I've known you a long time and I was kind of watching you on, I think it was maybe Instagram where you were, you know, posting some pictures about, you know, Hey, we're making this big life change and we're doing this. And part of this is, you know, we're moving into an RV. Yeah. We're getting out of whatever it is we were living in before. And this is, this is, and this is, this is a decision lots of people are starting to make. Um, you know, one, one of the things that they've been talking a lot about recently is they're, they're building all these homes, but you know, this big market of millennials who's coming up, they don't want to own homes. Yeah. You know, they want to either rent them or they want to live in an RV or they want to like Airbnb from town to town. Um, they want options. Yeah. Millennials are all about experience. Yeah. You know, we just want to do stuff. Uh-huh. And it's, I feel like sometimes like a house or the traditional lifestyle ties, feels like it ties us down. And so yeah. we just wanted to be able to change it and do something I like different that, I that. like that you just owned the mantle. Yeah. Just, like the, I am. I am a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> no there, apologies. There are, some of us, there are some of us that are like on that bubble. Like, yeah. I'm definitely on the like, I'm not the snowflake millennial. <laughs> just, just a regular old millennial. <laughs> millennial. Yeah. <laughs> Sound okay. like a mud clod? I don't know. What, yeah. what is that? <laughs> yeah. So so tell us a little bit about um, what precipitated your your change. Because, I mean, this is a pretty big change uh, to go from uh, having a, a place. And because I guess traditionally, most people would have some sort of a homestead, right? Like whether it's an apartment or, or a house or, um, you know, a, a townhome or something like that that they would call home. Um, to move to having a completely portable. I mean, this isn't even like motorhome. I mean, this is not motorhome, like like a mobile home. Yeah. This is like completely portable, pick up and go whenever you want to. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we, the end of 2017, I wasn't feeling really inspired in Houston anymore. I've been here, born and raised, and um, I just felt like I wasn't getting a lot of fuel from my environment. And so me and the girlfriend decided to pick up and head to Nashville. And that was 2018. And we spent a year in Nashville living downtown. And 
it was fun. It was very fun. Nashville's a really cool city and there's a lot happening, but you know, a one bedroom, like efficiency apartment in downtown is like $1,600 a month. You wow. know, it's like, yeah, this, this city's like the new LA, the New York, New New York. So it's like, it's really, you know, it's got that kind of like happening scene right now. And so while we were there, even though the experience felt good and the, and the energy felt good and I felt like re-inspired and re-energized and from a work standpoint, I felt like I was accomplishing a lot more than I was back home. I felt like I was spending all of the money that I was making and that just felt wasteful. Wrong. Yeah. It felt wrong. <laughs> it's like, wait, like the whole reason we make money is to be able to do fun things and we can't do that because we're literally tying up all of our money in rent. <laughs> And so probably towards the last few months of our time in Nashville, we started saying, Hey, you know, could we live in a van? Could we live in a, <laughs> could we live in an RV? Could we, could we do that lifestyle? And, and, and there was a lot of back and forth and a lot of hard discussions about like, what is the right way to like, you know, what's the real American dream and what is, you know, ex- expected of people and things like that. And so I think me and you know, Kara finally were like, you know what? I think we can do this. Like, I think that we're okay with it. And so we started watching a ton of YouTube channels, people that were living van life, people that were living RV life. We started following all the Instagram hashtags like RV lifestyle, RV life, RV renovations. And the things that people are doing with these things are insane. Like they look like homes. And so we took a random trip up to Gatlinburg one day and I had to stop to use the restroom, which was code word for there's a really cool store that sold kayaks. <laughs> and um, and we, we stopped in and uh, while I was looking around, there was this really cool like off-road tent contraption. And, you know, I told Kara, I was like, hey, it could be really cool to get that. And they're like, oh, those are manufactured in Texas. And I was like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. And so I went to their website and they happened to be giving away like their pop-up camper version of that camper. So it was like this, like kind of off grid, it was called the Taximantis and it was this off grid, you know, travel trailer. And so we entered online to, to win it. And a few months later we were at CMA fest and we were walking around the trade show floor and they had it on display. And I was like, man, like this thing's really cool. And Carol was like, there's no way we can live in this. This is like, this is too rough in it. You know, like this is, I don't, so what, what, what about it was really appealing to you? I mean, what, what were some of like the cool features for me? It was just like, I think it was like the the true, you know, m- like minimal trailer. Like there wasn't much like a cassette toilet or a cassette commode, which is like basically this like drawer that you use the bathroom in and you go dump it. Um, it had like a single bed. It was very like open to the outside. So it had tons of like big open windows. All the windows opened up and like open to the outside, which a lot of like modern travel trailers, like the windows only open a few inches to get breeze in, but not like fully open. And so I just liked that. It was like one with the environment almost. And I had spent a week backpacking Glacier National Park a few years prior. And I felt like that was the most peace in my life that I'd ever experienced was like that separation between stuff, Yeah, you know? And, um, and so I was like, okay, this is really cool. And so a few weeks later, we got a call from Taxa after that CMA fest that we had won the this trailer. Oh my gosh. What? And so we were like, okay, this is like, you know, this feels like it's meant to be like, we're talking about it. We started looking at trailers and now we win this thing. And so once we did that, we were like, okay, we can spend, we could spend 30 days in this and see yeah. how it goes. And so our first 30 days was in this super, super small pop-up trailer with myself, Kara and our two big retriever dogs. And the experience wasn't bad. We actually didn't mind it. It was easy to pull. Um, it was like super minimal. We had outfitted our truck to have like our clothes stored in our truck. And our truck was like our closet. It was it was pretty cool. Uh, one night uh, in December, it was raining like crazy. And rain started seeping through the walls. Oh, no. <laughs> and we were just like... We like we can't do this. Like <laughs> this minimal lifestyle is fine, but like we just came from like a nice apartment in Nashville, and now we're like swimming in our bed. Like it's like <laughs> and it's not a water bed. It's not a water bed. <laughs> and so um, that was really the moment for us. We were like, okay, like we're okay with this lifestyle, but we have to make a change. And so we went and bought a twenty nine foot like ultra light forest river travel trailer, which is what we live in now, mm-hmm. and you know, there's trade-offs. Like I, I think we both missed that small trailer because it was really easy for us to like up and go. It was so easy to set up, but it also had like a little AC that could hardly keep up. And now we've got two giant, like, you know, ACs on the roof that 
keep the bad boy chill. You know, do you we have to use buckets. We, we actually do have a bucket. Oh, <laughs> not for the inside of the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I mean, Hey, our first trailer, we had, we needed buckets, but, uh, no, but it's funny. You start learning, like you said, you have to kind of start learning what you need, but we started noticing that like the ACs condensate on the roof and they just like drip constantly. And our campsite was always soaking wet, like just water everywhere. So now we have a five gallon bucket that just like picks up the drip. And then like probably once a week I go dump it down the drain. Yeah. So it's silly. I mean, I don't really need the bucket. I guess I could just evaporate, you know, but <laughs> it just bothered me. So yeah, we have a bucket. There you go. <laughs> we have a bucket. <laughs> you never know what you need. So yeah, that's how we got, that's how we got into the lifestyle. It was just like that idea that we could live a lifestyle where we could kind of go as we please and our money would be spent, you know, in, in experience versus just in rent. And I think the other piece for both of us was like, neither one of us had a ton of debt. We mm-hmm. both have like the traditional millennial debt, like school loans and our car notes. Yeah. But beyond that, like we don't have like credit cards stacked to the ceiling or anything. And so we are like, if we could take, you know, $1,500 a month and put that towards, you know, student loans and things like that, we could be a hundred percent debt free by like 33 years old or something like that. Yeah. You know? And that's pretty incredible because most young people carry student loans. I'd say anybody, my older siblings have student loans for their whole life. And they, they always talk about it. Like they will have them for their whole life. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't want to be like, you know, held hostage to like financial, financial debt. Like I don't have to be like, we, I think we choose to like live the lifestyle we want and allocate money the way we want. And my choice was like, Hey, even if we live in an RV for three years, pay off all of our debt and then go get a house. I'll still be happy that I'm going to come out with no debt at the end of the day. Yeah. So that's incredible. Yeah. So did you guys, did you guys trade in that other trailer for yeah, we, the one that you guys have now? Yeah, we did. So that was like a whole thing too. Obviously we didn't get nearly as much as like the the paper says it's worth, right? Like when you win something, the dealer says, oh, it's worth, you know, $33,000 and you go sell it and you get $17,000. Well, the challenge in that was because it was a sweepstakes, I had to pay taxes on what the, on the value on that bill of sale was. So uh-huh. I had to pay taxes on a $37,000 trailer <laughs> on the top of the fact that like I have taxes on a company and my personal income and all that other stuff. So this tax year was pretty like sickening because of how much, <laughs> you know, like, cause that's a, I think a common misconception too is like, Oh, you won something like it's free. It's like, no, really nothing really is free. Like that $37,000 trailer taxed at 25%, you know, yeah, nearly $10,000 in taxes. Yeah. You know, that, that sucks. Now, do they and, and like I think a lot of people don't realize they, they value those things so high so that they can get that that's, money back. That's right. So. Exactly right. <laughs> so like, you know, taxes were upwards of over ten thousand dollars on that trailer. So it wasn't free. And then like I said, I think we sold it for around eighteen. So when it was all said and done, we only made like, you know, eight thousand yeah. dollars, which really just I mean, in a down payment on a new trailer just kind of gets absorbed in the nonsense fees of dealers yeah. stuff. So um that wasn't fun, but I feel like I'm still, I was still encouraged by it because of the fact that like we, w- like we probably wouldn't have as confidently stepped out into the journey had that not happened. Like we were talking about it. Right. Right. But we were still just like, eh, well then you win this trailer and it's like, okay, well I guess we're doing this. Like, yeah, you know, let's do it. So, I mean, like, it really kind of thrust you into that. Yeah. 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 And yeah. it really put, and we got into it like really, really bare minimum. And so that was cool because like, if we can live it at that, like if we can live it that rough for 30 days, like then everything else that we do is going to be a lot easier from then. Yeah. So like, obviously what we have now feels like a mansion, like really, I mean, we've got, you know, sofas, a table TVs, like we didn't have any of that in the, the first trailer. And we literally just had water, a single burner stove, a bed. And that, like, that was it. Yeah. So you know, now we have a full kitchen and oven and a microwave. And, you know, (laughs) I mean, in those first 30 days, like we probably cooked on the campfire every single day, which was really cool actually though. Like, I mean, I learned how to like, I can use a cast iron skillet now, like nobody's business. Those are the best. Yeah. I was making sweet potatoes in the coals. I felt like a mountain man or something. (laughs) (laughs) I I won't get this quote right, but there's a, there's a famous uh, quote from Seneca that says like every so often you should live in such a way that you think is miserable and then ask yourself, is this the thing that I feared? You know, and I think, I think there's probably several people listening to what you're talking about living in that trailer going, that sounds absolutely miserable. 30 days. Yeah. And you're saying like, look, this is, this is valuable experience that, you know, I, 
I couldn't have gotten anywhere else. Yeah. You know, that like, I, you can't take it away from me now either. Like I've had it, it's mine and it's, it's valuable information. That's, you know, part of me and who I am Yeah, and, I, and I'm not afraid of it now. And it's 30 days. Like if you can't like do 30 days of anything, like you have a lot of like cert, like self-evaluation to do. I feel like 30 days really tests your limits and like it creates habits. It breaks habits. One of the th- first things we did in our transition, knowing that we were going into that small trailer was agreeing between me and Kara that we were only going to take 30 pieces of clothing each. Mm. And, um, for me, it was a lot easier. I was like, yeah, we're the same two pairs of jeans and five shirts every single day. Like that was, I'm pretty easy to rotate through that. Kara was like, Hey, like, I don't, I don't think I can do that. So did you give her some of your buffer? <laughs> and so I gave her some, I gave her some, <laughs> I gave her some buffer and, and, and there's obviously some compromise there, but you know, we also realized that like the 80, 20 principle is so true. Like 80% of the things that you own, you probably use 20% of the time. Yeah. Like, and that is very, very true. And so when we started realizing, like, I don't remember the last time I actually pulled that out of the drawer or, yeah. you know, out of the, out of the closet, we were just like getting more and more comfortable with like purging our, our stuff. And what was super special about that to me was like every purchase going forward is so much more intentional mm. because you're thinking about like what you have the ability to store right? Like you have kind of this inventory. And so we agreed between each other. It's like, Hey, if you want to buy a new shirt, we get rid of an old shirt. You want to get a new pair of pants, you get rid of an old pair of pants. And so like, we knew that like when we purchased something, you know, where before, like I would just buy it because I had the room to buy it and yeah. whatever, whatever. Now we're like way more thoughtful of like, if I buy this, where does it go? Where do I store it? How is it protected? How is it safe? And so I feel like even our purchasing habits have completely changed. And and we've talked about like, if we go back to an apartment just because of the fact that we want more room or whatever, I think that we would be completely changed the way we move forward because we'd say, I don't need all those clothes. I don't need all those things. And like, I'm okay with what we had. And it started, it, it's really like comforting and like almost like, um, freeing to be able to separate yourself from stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and not need that stuff to be happy. And, and, um, it was really cool. Yeah. You know, we, I, I've got a friend who, who lived the RV RV life for a year and they, they kind of said the same thing. They said, you know, it, it's one of those deals where and they no longer live that lifestyle, but, um, they said it really has challenged them to say, we don't, we don't need all of that. And, 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 you know, we really do live in a, in a culture here in America that says, you know, the more stuff you have, the more valuable your life is. And and it's just not true. Um, and there, there's plenty of things we could point to to show that that's not necessarily true. But, uh, you know, one question I've got is what what challenges beyond just the stuff? I mean, um, you know, it, it, you're I assume you're having to move from site to site to site sometimes, or do you have a permanent site somewhere? What, how do you, how do you kind of deal with the, the, when, when the, the place that you're staying at says, Hey, your time is up in this space. Yeah. So we, we actually experienced that in our first campsite in our first transition, which was, we were staying at Yogi bear park, which is a more of kind of like a destination campsite. Uh, and so they only have permanent sites for a few months of the year, only during the like off season. So like, you know, November, December, you know, those kind of months, I think through January is when we were kind of kicked out. Um, because after that, they just get like inundated with, you know, tourists. tourists, Right. And so for us, you know, we were just like, Oh, we kind of like it here. Like we've, we feel like it's safe. We've kind of grown to like it or whatever. And then all of a sudden it's like the expiration, right? Like the timer starts or whatever. You're kind of like, Oh, you know, what are we going to do? And so one of the hard parts was like going and looking at all these RV parks that allow for permanent, you know, residency, I guess, if you will. And it's funny, Houston, as big of a city as it is in like the, I wouldn't say inner city, but like in the like suburbia cities, like Cyprus and the woodlands, there's not a lot of RV resorts, which is pretty surprising because this lifestyle is becoming way more popular. And the ones that we did come across were um, they didn't feel safe, I guess is the best way to put it. Right. <laughs> yeah, like no, they I, felt I it's... like if they felt like really rough, you know, parts of town and rough parks. And we were just like, we don't feel like we'd want to live in that. Right. Yeah. And so like we finally got lucky and came across a really cool RV resort in Tomball that was, you know, really nice pull through all concrete pads and things like that, which was actually a nice upgrade from our dirt, you know, dirt yeah. and trees that were at don't, Yogi Bear. You got to retire like the bucket. <laughs> yeah. But, um, it was, uh, you know, 
the biggest challenge between that transition though, was just the cost, right? Like you go into this lifestyle and you think like, Oh, living in an RV life is pretty cheap. Right. And some of these RV parks are only charging 300 a month or whatever for, you know, your base rent, which includes electricity and water. And we went from paying that at Yogi Bear to going to this place in Tomball and paying $645 a month. And now all of a sudden you're evaluating and going, wait a minute, are we saving money? Like, are we able to pay off our debts or are we just living this lifestyle? Cause we have to now. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so there was like, there's that internal battle there too. It's like, uh, did I make the right decision? I don't know for sure. But when you look at it and you do all the math, it's still the most, you know, cost efficient way of living. Yeah. Because that still includes water and electricity. Yeah. And cable and sewer. And sewer and, I mean, yeah. every at 645, that's everything. Wi-Fi and all. Uh, and so that's, that's actually really been, that part's really cool. Not having all these extra bills that you have to add on top of your base rent. Um, so like that's, that's been a, 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 you know, a tricky part, but what's cool about it too, I guess, is that you're not tied down to one place. So, you know, you can pay the daily wa- daily rates, weekly rates or monthly rates. Um, and so I can like today, if I was like, Hey, I'm going to go spend the weekend, you know, Aransas pass or Port Aransas, I could go get a site for $200 for the, for the week, you know, and now my monthly rent is $850 between my full month site back in Tomball and the $200 at the RV resort. And I'm still less than base rent at an apartment. And and now I've gotten to have an experience and not feel like, Oh, I had to pay $200 a day for a hotel to go to the beach. Mm. So that part's really cool is like, I can have a home base, but I also have the freedom to go spend time anywhere else I want to. Yeah. yeah and, and I would assume that, that that's one of the things that, that that I would personally be concerned about. I mean, y'all, y'all are not at the same life stage that that I'm at. I mean, I've got two small kids, um, which I, I know there are plenty of people that are doing the RV life that that have kids. But one of the things that I would just be uh, concerned about is just a sense of community. A sense of you know you know my kids having that you know they're they're in either in a in a homeschool co-op of some sort or in an actual school you know having some sort of community for them to grow up in um but i mean what what i hear you saying is you still got your home base and in a lot of people that are that are living this life from what i know um they're kind of using the opportunity to travel and say hey we're gonna we're gonna be studying social studies this month. So we're going to go up to, uh, you know, Washington DC or somewhere around there. And we're going to tour around the Smithsonian's and different things like that and give them an experiential learning rather than just a book learning. Yeah. One of the, you know, one of our first groups of friends we met at our first RV park was a couple about our age who has two young kids. And what was interesting to us is me and Kara both agreed, like when we first started, like, man, what are we going to do about the community part for traveling? Like, how are we going to have friends? Like, cause we have a tight knit group of people that we really like respect and trust. And like, we were afraid about losing that. And it's funny, but I'd say we've got more friends and relationships now than anywhere else I've ever lived. Mm-hmm. Um, you're kind of forced into community, right? Like you drive by your RV park neighbor every day and he waves and you see they're actually outside. They're outside. Right. And they're doing stuff. And so, you know, naturally it's like, Oh, I see you're struggling to get your water hose off your camper. Like, let me come lend you a hand or, you know, at the first RV park we're at, like people would forget to bring firewood and we would just walk by and drop off a couple pieces of firewood. And so conversations happen a lot more like organically. And so I'd say we have more friends now from this lifestyle that we still stay in touch with than we ever had before. And, uh, and we even asked the, you know, the, the couple friend that we met that has the two young kids, like how it's been for them. And they love it because of the fact that like they homeschool their kids, which, you know, I'm, I'm sure that that's a challenge in itself, but they've got, you know, everywhere they go, they get to meet these new groups of friends. And I think that a lot of the friends they've met, they kind of stay like in touch via kind of like old school pen pal ways, like, yeah. which is something that's kind of like gone. Like there's not a lot of that. Like, let me write letters to my friends that I met before. And so these kids are getting to do that, but they're also getting to travel around and get true experiences. Like you said, that they can learn that they wouldn't ever get before. And I think that another thing that like my older brother 
has talked to me about like pretty openly is like, he hates that he spent so much time while his kids were in grade school working offshore because he never got the chances to really like get a ton of experiences with them. And now they're off doing their own thing. Yeah. His financial situation is a little different now and he's got different like goals and whatnot. And so those, that time's kind of expired for him in some ways. And so these people that are getting to live that lifestyle while the kids are young, it's like, how cool will that be whenever you're 50 years old or whatever. And your kids like got to go to all those places because your money wasn't so tied up just in this traditional lifestyle that we've come to like have to live. Like we need a house. We have to be in the neighborhood. We have to go to school, you know? So I think it's really cool that there are families doing it. Like you said, I'm not, I'm not a parent, so I can't speak for that for sure. But a lot of the, the people that we've met or people we follow and things like that seem to really love it. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and I'll also say that, you know, being a person who has an RV and going to sites and stuff, it it is really interesting to to be in a campground setting and see how many people are just talking to each other and interacting with each other. I mean, lots of people have pets, yeah. and so you're walking your pet, you know, around and you know, so oh, what kind of dog you got? What kind of dog you got? And all of a sudden, you're in this conversation about you know, the past five pets that I've had and, you know, these sorts of things. And, um, you know, we, we, um, this weekend down in Galveston, we were next to an older couple, um, and they had kind of this Taj Mahal diesel pusher next to us. And I was like, Hey, you know, sorry, you have to bunk up next to the shack. And they were like, no, it's fine. Uh, but we wound up be kind of becoming friends with them. And like, at one point during the weekend, um, then we got a knock on our on our door, and um, the lady um, was there, and she had bought my kids packages of M and M's at the store. That's so cool. And she just said, "Hey, I saw your kids. They're 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 really cute, and I just wanted to thought they might like some M and M's." So they that's brought so accepted M&Ms. in the RV life. But it like is. if your if your neighbor five <laughs> blocks down in your neighborhood came over, you'd be like, yeah. "What are you? What is your intentions?" Like, Probably yeah, no, sending those M and M's off to get tested. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's so true. You're exactly right about that. And we we're like, and and then what was really cool is it gave us the opportunity. I mean, my kids uh, sat down and they drew some thank you notes for them and took them back over, and we wound up spending you know, like an hour or two just sitting around talking to this, to this couple that we would have never met. We would have never known. Um, and, and so you're right that, that there is a sense of community for sure. The only difference that I know is somewhat challenging is that without a home base, those, those communities change, That's but, right. but it, it's, it's one of those trade-offs, right? Yeah, for Still sure. A trade-off. hundred hmm. percent. Yeah. Well, and I, I would imagine one of the things that I know that you have done is is sort of like a lifestyle design. I mean, like there there's there's a reason that you're able to live in Nashville, live in Houston, and and your business has allowed because your business is kind of mobile, right? Yeah, hundred yeah, for sure. So I mean, you, and you've you've sort of designed it that way. Yeah, I mean, when I first created the company, you know, like so beefy marketing is a, a marketing web design agency. And for a long time, like our relationships with our customers had to be local. And I just felt like that wasn't working for me. Yeah. Um, although I like to have like that local touch with some of my customers because of, you know, for relational reasons, I still felt like I personally had a desire and a need to like go and explore and do. And so, you know, a couple of years ago, we just started transitioning the company so that like, we started setting expectations like, Hey, meetings are, we can have meetings online we can have phone calls. We can send videos like, and so when you kind of start shifting the mindset for your customers, like, Hey, I'm still available. I'm just, I'm just a diff- available in a different way. Your customers are okay with that. You know, um, you just have to kind of create that expectation with them. And so by doing that, it's allowed me, like you said, to be able to up and go to Nashville and, you know, and, and grow the business there. We got several clients in Nashville, which was cool. Like, I didn't have to be here to make that happen. Um, so it's, it's been great to be able to, you know, have a company that's allowed that. But I think that, you know, there's a pretty big Facebook groups for people that live the RV lifestyle. And, and you'd be surprised like how many people in different careers, you know, are doing this. And I think the other thought is like RV life means full-time travel. And that that, like, that doesn't have to be. So if someone has a full-time job in Cyprus, but wants to cut their bills in half, the RV lifestyle might still be for them. They just get an RV park in Cyprus or Tomball where they can stay full time 
they're going to pay $600 a month. And that's probably still cheaper than the mortgage. And again, that's inclusive of internet and, and, you know, cable and water. And, you know, that was kind of the math for us was like the base rent part doesn't scare us that much. It's when you add a hundred dollars in water and 200 in electric and $200 in internet and cable, where all of a sudden it's like, man, I'm paying over $2,000 a month for just main, just maintaining this lifestyle where now we're probably less than a thousand dollars a month just for living and everything else is fun really like we can spend money on the things that we want or we can put that money straight towards student loans and other debt so like we're pretty aggressively paying off debt which is exciting too because yeah we have that cash free to do that yeah especially with a little taste of freedom you know? yeah I mean, so once you have it you want more and i mean like, that's kind of the the whole debt-free mentality is like i want to i want to get these shackles off of me so i can experience more of those kinds of freedoms. Yeah. Cause I think people think that, oh, debt, it'll just be with me forever. But it's like, imagine if, if you're paying a thousand dollars a month towards different debts between credit cards and you know, whatever it may be that you've got bills for, if you could free that thousand dollars a month up every month to be used however you want and not be having to lock that money up with the bank, dude, like you're living a totally different life all of a sudden. Yeah. You want to take a trip to Disney. You want to go to the beach. You want to go grab a really nice hotel for a few nights. It's not going to be like, Oh, can we afford that? Well, let's put it on the credit card. Like that. You don't have that mindset anymore. Now you can afford to do pretty much whatever you want Mm -hmm. because you're not in debt anymore. And that part's exciting. Well, and I guess on the flip, I think somebody might listen to you and go, well, you know, this guy's developed his business and it's, you know, it's mobile. He can do those kinds of things. But like, that's, that's not necessarily it's not the case that, that that's not a possibility for other people. Right. I mean, like one of the, I know one of the chapters from like four hour work week, Tim Ferriss's book is like how to get out of the office. Yeah. Like how to, how to negotiate that with, with your boss, you know, because like most jobs and not all jobs, but a lot of jobs, I mean, like you need a laptop. Yep. And if you can perform at the same level or better, not being in that physical space, one, you're saving your company money and two, you're, you know, producing more for them. So if you can negotiate that, well, then all of a sudden you have a little bit more freedom to potentially go do this RV life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, again, if people want to have that true experience where they get to travel and all that, right. That's definitely the way to do it is ask your company to like trial it. Hey, let me, let me work one, you know, you know, Friday, every other week at home. Right. Let me just prove to you that I'm going to get the same amount of work done just as efficiently, maybe better. Right. Um, and if they can prove that, then take it up, go once a week. And before long, the companies are like, Hey, we don't have to, we don't have to pay for this big office space anymore. Yeah. And everybody's still getting their jobs done. Like we live in a, he's not stealing my lunch anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, we live in a world where it's okay to like have people work virtually, you know, and, uh, with technology and Skype and all these other pieces, you know, software, you can be remote and still be just as productive. So I think that that's a great way to trial into it. And again, the people that have those jobs that it's just not possible, you work for a bank or you work for a, you know, true corporation. If it's just about the debt savings and if it's just about like having cash to be able to use for other stuff, you can still just be a permanent RVer in a nice RV resort and still free all that cash up to be used in ways that might be otherwise tied up in, nonsense. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I wanted to mention here is that, you, you know, not all RV uh, resorts are like KOAs. And don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with KOAs. Yeah, I mean, no. there, there's some standards. Some cool stuff, yeah. There's some standards that they hold, but those are, you know, a lot of those places are going to be typical, you know, dirt sites that, you know, you've got grassy areas around picnic table, those sorts of things. But uh, like for instance, the place that we stayed at this weekend down in Galveston, um, it, it's a true resort. All of all of the the sites were were concrete pads. Um, it was very very pet friendly. They had a a really nice pool. They had a hot tub. They had a splash pad. They had a beach volleyball court. They had a playground, um, and they were right across the street from the beach. A lot of these places. Um, even have like lazy rivers and, you know, really, really nice amenities, basketball courts, um, you know, that, that some of them even have restaurants on site, things like this. And so, um, you know, there's, there's ways that you can feel like you're not necessarily roughing it in some ways you can feel like you're getting more out of your home, uh, because of the amenities that you get without actually owning a home. And the other thing that I want to just mention is that, you know, maybe you're sitting here thinking, I, man, I, 
I just don't know if I could live in an RV. I don't, I've never really, you know, pulled an RV. I've never really done that life. I've never, you know, if I go camping, it's in a tent or a cabin because I'm a cabin type of person. Um, you know, one of the things that I would say, um, and, and, you know, help me out here if you've got other ideas, but you can rent an RV and just take a, take an, a week with your family and go, go rent an RV. Uh, you know, you can the get site for, is actually, uh, one of the biggest ones outdoorsy.com. Yeah. 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 And, and, and a lot of times you can get them for, you know, hundred bucks a night, something like that and take it wherever you want to enjoy a week with your family and just see, is this something that's enjoyable to me or is it not? Yeah. And, and mind you, like, I think the things you have to kind of get past is, is what I like that you mentioned was that people have this idea that RV parks are like camp. Like it's like right. campfires and, you know, firewood and all this stuff. You couldn't even have an open campfire at the site that we were at. That's right. And that's, that's how it is at the one we're at now. And so the first one, we, it was like fires every day. And there was something nice about that. It felt like super naturey and it felt cool. And like, now it's like, it's gone. And it's like, well, that's kind of sucks. But at the same time, we're like, oh, that's nice. We're like, doesn't like, we don't always smell like smoke anymore. <laughs> like, you know, there's like trade-offs, but, um, there are definitely RV resorts that are super, super nice. Like our friends right now are staying one in Magnolia that is fully gated. It has a dog park. It has multiple like laundry and shower rooms. If you're, if you're living in a smaller camper and don't have those amenities, um, <laughs> kind of funny story because your money is like now, like you're able to use your money in a different way because you free up so much in rent and things like that. You know, people get freaked out about like, oh, I don't want to go to a laundromat. That sounds like ghetto and that sounds scary, you know, is that because you're saving so much money in rent, I can afford to do wash and fold services at the at the dry cleaner. I can uh, drop my laundry off yeah. once a week, have it all cleaned, folded and picked up. And it's still about the same cost as using a laundromat but I don't have to go to the laundromat. <laughs> and so, you know, we do a little bit of both. We'll go to the laundromat when we're being cheap and we have more stuff to wash. And uh, when we're not being cheap and we want to be lazy and want to go do something else on our weekend, we'll just go drop it off and go pick it all up and it's nicely folded. So like that stuff isn't stuff that you should be scared about. And if you are going to rent an RV and try it out, keep in mind that whenever you go camping, you know, 90 to a hundred percent of your time is spent in that camper, right? Because you're cooking there, you're doing everything you're going, you know, maybe you'll go do a little hike or something else, but really a lot of time is spent in the camper. When you're living this lifestyle full time, it's just like in a house, 20 to 30% of the time you're in that camper because you're at work or you're at your job or you're at school or you're out doing whatever errands you have. And so when I think about the RV, I'm not really in it that much. Like it's a place to lay my head at night. It's a place to watch a couple TV shows, but it's not, it's not where I spend all my time. And I'd rather be outside of the camper. And that's the other thing about living in a smaller footprint is it, it forces you to mm -hmm. get out too, because you're like, Oh, I'm cooped up in a big old house. It's like, well, I can go hang out in the movie room. I can hang out in the office. I can do this. I've got plenty to do on the property. But when you're in a little camper, it's like, ah, oh, man, I'm kind of, you know, getting a little bored. Okay, cool. Let's go do something. Right. And it forces you to go have experiences. And so, you know, kayaking and riding bikes and, and going like for us, it's been like going to the gym. Like before it was like, we had the nicest gym ever at our apartment complex, but we never used it because our apartment <laughs> was so nice, you know? And now we're in this RV and we're just like, you know, sometimes you kind of go out of your mind because you're just like, well, there's like, we're done for the day. We're kind of bored. Well, now you go to the gym because it's something to do. And so it kind of forces you to be healthier and um, so like even the, the cooking, you know, kind of situation, you do have a smaller fridge in some campers are, we have a smaller camper and we, although we have a good size fridge, it's not like, you know, double doors, like right. a house. And so like, even the types of things we purchase in our refrigerator and freezer are like healthier options because it's like, okay, we, we can buy chicken and Turkey and things like that for the week and prep it for the week and salads. And so we have like, we're making better choices. We don't have a freezer full of like frozen burritos and whatnot because you don't have the space for that extra nonsense. So. People are still buying frozen burritos. <sighs> man, frozen burritos fried and poured some cheese on them. Dude, I got a fat man heart over here. <laughs> <laughs> I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> so good. But I have to eat grilled chicken. <laughs> in the burrito. Yeah, in, in, the, the, burrito. in the burrito. <laughs> so, I, yeah. so I got a question. Um, so like when I was going to buy my house, I had this like set of things that I wanted my house to have. So when you were looking for your uh, RV, what were those things that, you know, 
the have to haves, the nice to haves or things that you definitely didn't want. So when we first got into it, like our dogs had been kenneled up to this point, even though they're a little bit older, we just had kind of always felt better about having the dogs kenneled. So they didn't tear things up. They're big dogs. And when we lived in that tiny little RV, we couldn't, like there's no room for kennels. So the dogs kind of just slept on the little, like the floor area. And so when we looked for a camper, we were like, okay, we need a camper that's big enough for you know, kennels if we wanted to do so and, and really have a space that the dogs, like we really thought way more about the dogs. I feel like than ourselves, <laughs> like we wanted space for them because welcome to parenthood. Right? <laughs> and so, um, we, we just, we wanted a space that had room for them. Um, we also, for us, there's so many configurations of campers, right? You know, bunk, bunk beds and all this other stuff. And for us, um, we felt like bunk beds at this stage of our lives would be kind of a waste. Like, we weren't going to use that. It would probably just end up being like a clutter for, uh, you know, junk. We also wanted a big bathroom. That's a, that's a downside of a lot of RVs is that the bathrooms, even the big ones are a little small. And so we ended up finding an RV that the bathroom was pretty huge considering it's a relatively small trailer. And so we've got a really nice shower and nice, you know, bathroom sink and all this other stuff. And so for us, I think those were the important things like, if we're going to live in it, we want to have a nice shower. We want to have a nice bathroom. Our bed's a little smaller than I think we would have liked to have. It's a queen versus a king. Um, storage was a big, like big deal for us. It's like, even though we don't have a lot of stuff going from that first 30 days in something where we had no storage, we were like, it'd be cool if we had room to put our shoes and, <laughs> and things like that, instead of having to walk out every day to go like get your clothes out of your truck drawer. And so, um, storage was, was really important for us. And so, um, yeah, that, those were the big things for us is just finding a place that had room for the dogs and, and storage. And now we don't even use the kennels for the dogs. That first 30 days really trained them to just kind of like hang out. Hmm. And so now we can just leave and they'll hop up on the bed or whatever else. While and they stay in the trailer during the day. And they do, yeah. And then about two days a week. So that's another cool thing in our situation was in, a, in an apartment because there is so much space for your dogs and there's like that level of like peace of mind that the AC is not going to go on stuff like that. You'll leave your dogs there all day long and like, Oh, they'll be fine till 11 and I come home and take them out. And, um, and when you, and when you take them to go play or go to the park or whatever, sometimes they get neglected in the sense that like you're tired. And so, and if you're in an apartment and you don't have like a big dog park or whatever, it's just like, well, let's just take them on a walk and bring them back in. And, and that energy, like, you know, they start to, you know, misbehave a little bit in the house. Cause they're just like, Oh my gosh, I'm like bored out of my mind. Just like we would be. Yeah. And so because we have so much cash, you know, freedom now, two days a week, we drop them off at a doggy daycare <laughs> and they get to just like play all day long. And so we, we couldn't have afforded that, you know, prior to this lifestyle, but now they probably play more than they did when we lived in a place where they should have had more room to play. Mm. And so that's been cool too, is like, they're probably living a happier life too, which is bizarre in an RV. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I want to, I want to kind of address some of like this, the screaming that I hear from some of the audience members, you know, like, and Andrew, we hear, we hear that you're saving all this money. We hear that, you know, that, you know, how this can be a convenient lifestyle, all, all these things that you're bringing up. But at the end of the day, I mean, isn't, isn't a house going to you know, like hold its value better than like an RV. And so like, how, how is that going to be for you financially in the long run? That's a great question. I don't know if I have the perfect answer, or sure. not, but I think that what's, what's cool about the RV lifestyle is that you can kind of come into it at any price point, right? Right. Um, there's people that buy, you know, old buses and old RVs for a thousand dollars on Craigslist and reno them for a few thousand dollars, like, you know, make them look beautiful and they're only a few thousand dollars in, right? So if, if in five years it's broken on you, still only $3,000, which is probably fixing, you know, an AC breaking on your house, right? Right. Like, it's not even like a roof repair or something. Yeah. And so like that, that was a thing for us was like, although the idea of home ownership is exciting, like I really like the idea of that. It seems like, oh, I can personalize it. I can have an office. I can have a podcast studio. I can have a yard for the dogs to run and all those things seem exciting. I was, I, for me, the biggest challenge was facing the fact that it felt too long-term. Like mm -hmm. it felt like permanent. It felt like once you do this, that's it. And I, I've had conversations with people about it and they're like, no, you can just sell it and list it and blah, blah, blah. If you don't want to do that and you want to move. But the people that I hear that are talking about selling their houses and buying houses talk about how much of a nightmare it is. And I'm like, if it's such a nightmare, then 
I don't want to deal with that. Like, <laughs> like I would much rather be able to take that money and put it into something like a small RV and, and, uh, in a few years, if I want to swap it out. And so for even like us, we bought a brand new one. So, you know, to talk about our financial situation specifically, we probably spent $30,000 on a brand new one. And because it's a recreational vehicle, it's got a, a, a lengthy, you know, loan term, probably like a house, you know, sure. it's pretty long. And so our payments like $200 a month. So it's like, it's cheap. Like, yeah, it might not hold the value, but even if I like go upside down and sell it, I still am probably out less than I would be if I would have bought a house and then things would have gone out or broken. And for me, it it just felt like short term. That was the way I wanted to go. Um, because we knew we could always get out. Right. It's like, it's like working for a company and saying, you know what, I'm going to go try another opera. Like I'm going to go try something else. Yeah. And if it doesn't work out, if that job a job's always going to be there. Right. And so I think that that's true for me with like buying a house. It's like the, that lifestyle will always be there for me, but taking this opportunity while I'm young and don't have kids personally to be able to explore and go and, and save money and maybe even create wealth in the meantime yeah. is exciting because that's, I think that's it for a young people. A big challenge is buying a house, like coming up with a down payment like that, like not a lot of kids my age or people my age have just, you know, twenty thirty thousand dollars to drop a down payment and yeah. it seems like some people my age that are getting houses are getting into these kind of you know less than ideal fha loans that are probably hurting them in the the early stages of that home ownership yeah. process right just because there's pouring so much into just trying to cover that initial down and so um you know i just think that for me this was like a way that i could say hey i'm gonna just put money away and if i decide i'm done with this lifestyle hopefully I'll have the cash to just buy what I want, you know? Yeah. I, th- I think you probably won like a lot of moms over when you said, I have enough money to have my laundry done for me. <laughs> <laughs> and folded. That's right. <laughs> You're welcome, mom. Yeah. No, it's true. That's awesome. Yep. Um, well, what else? I mean, is there anything that we haven't discussed already that, uh, that you think we should hit on? No, I mean, I think that, uh, I think that you brought up a great point earlier, which is if, if this sounds exciting, if it sounds like something you could do, go to YouTube, watch some videos, Yeah, start with van life and see how rough it can be. That's a great place to start for me. It was like, (laughs) okay, van life is not for me with two big dogs, but (laughs) if people can do it with kids in a van, then I can do it in an RV. Right. And, um, and that was a cool place to start. And then Instagram, everybody's on Instagram. That's a great place to look too. Like you start looking at these RV renovation hashtags and you see what people are doing in RV. It'll blow your mind. Like my older sister has two older kids around 13 and, and 10. And when we told her about it and she came and sat in our RV and her husband and her kids came, they were like, wow. Like they just felt like that financial burden relief. Like even though they're a little scared about the idea of doing it with older kids that are connected in schools and Mm -hmm. like the fact that they've gotten comfortable with this big backyard and this big house, they hurt. I think that they struggle to live that, right? Like it's tight every month. And if anything were to change it with, with their employment, that lifestyle would go away like overnight. And I think that that's like a all true, you know, all too true, scary reality that like that could be taken away. And so having this other alternative option where you can, spend all that money on whatever else you want and yeah. just give your kids experiences and, and enjoy experiences yourself. Um, and still you can stay in the town that you like, you know, if you like Waller, stay in Waller, Yeah, you know, just, you can do it with an RV. And I think that's another cool thing too, with, with RVs that, you know, I could briefly mention is that it also allows you the, the ability to own land, which mm-hmm. I feel like land is one of the best investments you can make. Right. Sure. And so instead of pouring all that money into a house with, you know, your little block and your neighbors that are like arm distance away, you can buy an RV, buy a you know, few acres and put that money that you were putting into a mortgage into financing that land instead. And while you're living on your land, you can slowly start building a house. And that's cool too, because all of a sudden now you've, you've kind of allowed yourself to have something that maybe you couldn't afford while also living the the typical neighborhood life. Yeah. I see, I see a lot of people doing that now. They're using it as a, a vehicle to actually purchase land and set up, you know, a pad and, yeah. and get that, get that process rolling and on a piece of property. They, you know, had it, had a house on it. They couldn't afford it. That's right. Yeah. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. And, and there's very few living arrangements that you can try before you buy 
right? Uh, and and, and hey, this you can't is try one a house out, really. No, you can't. I mean, you, you can't be like, hey, I'm going to live in this neighborhood for a month and see if I like it or if I like, you know, the commute that I'm going to have every day from this location. Um, and traffic patterns change even at that, right? So, um, you, well, you know, and, and to a certain degree, that that's not true, really. I mean, because now we have, I mean, like Airbnb is allowing you to rent out yeah, by the week, by the month. True. Sure. Uh, and so you do kind of have this, this trial that you can do. It's, it's a really expensive to sure, do that. Sure. Um, but you look around, man, there's, there's guys that are doing it. Some of these guys that travel from city to city for their businesses and things like that, that's all they do. Yeah. Is there Airbnb in it or sure. VRBO and, yeah. and all these kinds of things? And they like it because they like, like what Andrew's saying, I get a different experience in every city. I don't own the property. If something goes wrong with it, this sucker has to fix it. Yeah. Um, and if, and if it breaks, I can just leave. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and that's definitely, you know, more exp- you know, expensive way to experience like, you know, trial or demo that area. But I think the other thought for me is like, you buy a house in your ideal neighborhood and then your job changes, you get laid off and you get moved somewhere else. The, your drive changes. Well, now you're trying to commute there while trying to get your house ready to be sold. And you're trying to deal with finding a new house. And it's like in the RV life, you lose your job. You just hook up to your trailer and go to the new campsite that's closer, right? Like yeah. th- there's this ability to, um, to move your life a little bit more organically. Like you're not so locked down. And again, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with home ownership. I, I, I think at some point in my life, like I would like to achieve that. I'd like to, I'd love to have land. I just, I think where we were at in our kind of journey, it just wasn't in the cards, right? Like I, I didn't necessarily have the ability to drop a down payment. And I, and I'm also like young enough and impressionable enough that like every neighborhood I see, I think is cool. So it's like, (laughs) how do I decide? I feel like older, you know, older people that have kids and stuff like that, y'all have pretty good ideas of like, my kids need this kind of school system and, and I need this kind of neighborhood and I need to be close to work or whatever. And for me, it's just like, Ooh, that neighborhood's in the woodlands. There's really good bars around there. Like whatever, yeah. you know, and it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's based, my, my house making decisions would be based on what best restaurant was nearby. Yeah. And so for me, I felt like a little premature to like buy a house where it could be in a year I'd be bored or, yeah. you know. Well, and one of yeah. the things you mentioned earlier that I thought was pretty interesting is that, you know, the reality is a lot of people who get into home ownership do end up living paycheck to paycheck because they, they, they feel like that is, is sort of like the pinnacle of adulthood that like now I've arrived and like all of my, you know, financial focus needs to be on this thing that I'm, that I've now achieved. And I, now I have to maintain because if I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not a success, you know, but like, if that's your reality, if your reality is that like from paycheck to paycheck, there's nothing left at the end of the month, it might not be a bad idea to run those numbers, to evaluate your life and go, okay, where am I actually at right now? And what would actually free me up to do the things that I really enjoy? Um, Because for a lot of people who are living paycheck to paycheck, you know, once those credit cards max out, once all those things, like everything stops, you know, and reality kicks in and it's like, oh, everything has to be paid for now. And, and the fun time is over, so to speak. And it would be way better to have evaluated that situation and go, you know, right now, this isn't for me. Yeah. But I could actually free up some, some capital. I could free up my finances by living like nobody else is living right now, living differently than what my expectations of adulthood was like. Um, yeah. And, and don't be afraid of what people are going to think because at the end of the day, like people don't care, right? Like when we got into this, like I definitely am like a, I'm a bit of a prideful person. Like I've worked really, I, I grew up really, really poor. And so going into this lifestyle, you know, I was very honest with my girlfriend and, and friends when I talked about doing this, I was like, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but I grew up in really rough trailer parks as a kid. Sure. And so I was like, I don't want to go into this lifestyle and feel like I'm just back to a trailer park. Like, mm. There was something for me that just like, and, and that's obviously like my own personal experience that like made me feel that way. But now that I've actually lived this lifestyle for a little while and, and I talk about it with people, people don't go, Oh, you're poor. Like you live in an RV. Mm-hmm. Like people are pretty like intrigued by that. Like, sure. They want to know what, like, why are you doing that? And and when you can express that and you can share the, the reasons why people get really excited about that. So I don't think you should ever feel ashamed about like living in an RV. Like, like you said, like the home ownership feels like this, like the American dream, which, you know, it has been for a long time. I don't think it is the only dream. I don't think it is the only way you can do things, which, you know, I think is pretty awesome. 
Yeah. Well, cool. Well, man, we, we appreciate you uh, kind of being open and honest with, uh, with some stuff. I mean, it's pretty personal the way you live and, and those sorts of things. So, so thanks for taking the time to, to explain some of those. And, and maybe you have some questions for, um, uh, for Andrew here and want to, want to kind of figure out what does it look like to do this a little bit more? Um, I, maybe I'm intrigued or maybe I've just, maybe I'm just curious, uh, where, where can people find you? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram, Andrew Brockenbush, and I'm sure you guys have a place y'all drop that stuff. And, uh, that's probably the best place. You know, we've got our companies, beefymarketing.com, And, uh, we also have wingman, which is trustyourwingman.com for smaller businesses. And, uh, you know, it's a great way if, if you're looking for business help, that's a good way to do it. But if you want to just kind of chat about this lifestyle, hit me up on Instagram. I, I'll take you out to coffee and talk about it. I'll bring you to the RV park and show you our camper, <laughs> introduce you to my dogs. But, uh, thank you guys for, uh, thanks for having me. I know yeah. I'm not a homeowner. No, 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 it's all good. I mean, and, and this is one of the things that, that Craig and I really are, are hopeful for with this podcast is just helping people understand what it means to, to own a home. And honestly, at the end of the day, you're still owning a home. Yeah. It is your home. It's just not a house. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's different for everybody. And, you know, we're not trying to judge people that live in mansions versus people that, that live in, in RVs or anywhere in between. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, uh, we, we want people to feel secure and confident in the decisions that they've made. And once you've made that decision, you have to live into it, right? You've you've owned a home. Uh, you've chosen to buy that home. Well, now you got to repair it. You got to fix it. You got to understand how you maximize owning that home same's true for you and and not only that i mean uh, you know there's a big transition for most people going from a home to an rv it sounds like y'all maybe weren't um as are already uh, entrenched yeah <laughs> it wasn't people. as bad as like a five bedroom house <laughs> and part of that is just because you're younger right yeah. and so you don't necessarily you haven't acquired as much stuff you don't have kids and so that i mean there's there's that lots helps. of things that you acquire once you have kids um and those sorts of things so emotional yeah. damage <laughs> it's a really cool up. stuff <laughs> well we can't let you off the hook we can't finish this podcast without uh doing something that we do with all of our guests and that is the final four the final four yeah so these are just four questions we ask all of our guests at the end of the podcast so um we'll see how you fare compared to our other guests <laughs> dun, it, dun, dun. Yeah. it is it is not really a test I don't but believe you, it. But you will be scored at the end. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the first question is this. What's the must-have tool you won't leave your house without? AirPods. Apple AirPods. Best invention ever. Okay. Oh. Even though I've been told whenever I lived in Nashville, there was a coffee shop that I used to kind of pace back and forth on taking calls. And and <laughs> and one day that a couple came down and they were like, hey, you're that crazy guy that paces back and forth talking to yourself. <laughs> and I was like, I... Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> that's me. Uh, yeah, AirPods guy. are great. I mean, as a business owner, I'm on the phone all the time, literally all the time. And being able to multitask with AirPods in is really, really valuable yeah. for me. So okay. AirPods, my my tool. And they got the second generation coming out. Yeah, they are. I just yeah. wish they would come out in black. That'd be cooler that black? way. Black? Oh, yeah. One day. One day. I don't know. Adam, that fit my ear. Apple's proprietary. <laughs> they're they're little baby ears. <laughs> no, my ears are too big. They uh, like they fall out. You got fat ears, man. <laughs> <laughs> just just imagine whenever he's like ninety. You know, your ears never stop growing. You like it, like yeah, they're flapping the wind. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> we'll be gliding through the hills. <laughs> uh, Craig's never gonna lose his hearing. Okay. <laughs> Uh, second question, what's a job you've walked away from? So, so not, I mean, it could be a career, but may, maybe a project or something that you said, ah, I'm done with. I'll, you know, I'll start with a, <clears throat> I'll go with a career option. Okay. I walked away from my first ever business, which was a recording studio. Hmm. And, um, I was young. I wasn't, I don't know, 19. I was fresh out of high school, owned a recording studio and it was exciting and it was fun. But, um, I realized pretty early on that one, I just didn't have all the resources I needed. I hadn't like built that experience up and I had a lot of, you know, other life things going on that kind of forced me kind of to decide what to do next. And so what was cool about leaving that experience though, was it led me to my next experience, which was working for Apple as a corporate trainer. And I feel like it laid the foundation to like me being able to create my next business and for my next business to be super successful because I learned a lot of core competencies that 
I think corporate America gives you. And there's definitely like a lot of nonsense that comes with that world, but there was a lot of really valuable things to learn from one of the most respected brands in the world. Yeah. Sure. Okay. It's actually when I met Andrew. Working for Apple? No, oh. with the studio. <laughs> yeah, the oh, it's studio. a studio. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we used to hang. Awesome. It was fun. Okay, cool. <laughs> it was fun for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I must have been not doing any of the work. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, third question. How do you wind down at the end of a long day? Oh, I'm not... I'm still in the discovery process of that. Um, sometimes I whip out the guitar and try to just write some songs. I feel like that's a great way for me to release emotions and stuff like that. Um, that's Nashville coming out in you right yeah, there. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's the that's Nashville coming out. Um, beyond that, you know, I, I still, I'm still challenged with that. You know, you go from living a life where like the therapeutic things you would do would be to go do the adventure things. And now you live the adventure things. Mm. And so I was like, uh, what, <laughs> what next? <laughs> so, uh, I'm still trying to figure that out. I need to be better. I've got like a stack of books that I've bought to read, but haven't read. So maybe that will be on the list of things I should do to start winding down. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, and, and I'll just, I'm going to throw this out there. Um, so just a little, maybe piece of advice for you or, or any of our listeners out there. There's a reason that we ask these questions. And one of the reasons we ask this question specifically is because, you know, Craig and I just kind of, we're, we're under the, the, um, impression and, and we feel very strongly that, Life can really get to you. I mean, if if you don't, if you don't find a way to just decompress, then you're going to bottle it up and it's going to come out the wrong way, the wrong time to the wrong person, create Uh, more unhealthy situations. Yeah. And it it can, it can turn itself into stress and turn itself into anxiety and you can have physical ailments from it. You can have mental ailments from it. And so, you know, if, if you're the type of person that, that you're in the stage where you are, I mean, find that thing, whatever it is. I mean, it can be lots of different things. Find the thing that you go, you know what? Not meth. No. <laughs> okay, maybe there are okay. few limits. Let's All stay right. within the realms of legal, okay? Um, and 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 also things that won't you know get you divorced. But um, you know, just find that thing and uh, you know figure it out and do it. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Last question: What's the one of the best pieces of wisdom or advice you've ever received? And if your answer is not find a way to wind down at the end of a long day, then you are wrong. <laughs> wind down. <laughs> oh, that's a great piece of wisdom or advice. <laughs> best I've ever received. Best ever. It's a great answer. If you can tell me what that thing is, oh, yeah, there you go. then you win. There you um, go. One of my first ever jobs, my boss told me. If I, if you ever tell me that's not your job, I'll tell you it's not your job anymore. Mm. And, um, that really stuck with me because it meant, you know, that it doesn't matter what on paper you're supposed to be doing. Like we should Mm -hmm. be willing to like step up and help it anyway. And I feel like that really has been something I've tried to like own in every job I've had is like getting in the trenches and supporting people no matter what I do. And I, I find that to be true both in professional and personal, um, experiences is just like, being available, you know, yeah. Be- being available to support in any way you can, not being afraid to, you know, clean the toilets and and sacrifice to do the hard jobs, just because they're not glamorous. So that that's definitely probably the best piece of advice I've ever gotten. I love it. I love yeah. it. Cool, uh, Craig. You got anything else? No, but if you haven't hit the subscribe button, go ahead and hit that. You can find us wherever podcasts are played across the world. Across the world. Yeah. You can also find us on the YouTubes. Yep. And the interwebs. There, we're there. Homeownershow.com. You can also reach us at info at homeownershow.com on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and whatever social media things. You won't find very much on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> there's stuff. Yeah, there's stuff. We're just not responding to it. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> just putting it out there. Yeah. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for downloading our episode today. And, uh, you know, and thanks for, thanks for coming on the show. We really, really appreciate it. And Jared, thanks for, uh, sitting in and, uh, maybe we'll talk to you soon. Your one question was so special to me. Uh- <laughs> You know, I'm not a big talker, but I try to hit hard when I It's going to cherish it forever. That's right. Well, it's hard cool. to get a word in edgewise with these guys. Yeah, that's, that's so true. We're professional talkers. <laughs> so true. 
Uh, well, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for downloading this episode. And, uh, we're here every Tuesday, so keep on uh, subscribing. Thanks for listening. And until then, we'll see you next time. See you.